And the word of the Lord tells us in the book of Mark chapter 5 that we'll get into detail on, on the story of, of this young lady. But there was a part here in, in verse 35 where it says that, you know, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any further? It's over with. And as I read this, a thought came into my spirit, simply this thought. Trouble the master. Trouble the master. When you read the beginning of the story, now Jesus had crossed over again by a boat to the other side, and a great multitude gathered to him. And he was by the sea, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. His name was Jairus. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he begged him earnestly in the New King James Version, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live, he said. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. To get the gist of this, you have to understand that Jairus was not just a servant. He was not some commoner by any means. But he was a man with a lot of authority and a lot of power. He was somebody of the somebodies. But can I tell you right now in the hour that we're living, in the day that we're living, it doesn't matter who you are. There's only one name that's going to matter right now and until the end of time. And that's the name and that's the God, Jesus. When you get to a place whenever everything's falling apart and your whole life is at the brink of destruction, you're not going to care about who you are or how much dignity you have or how much pride you may have because when you are in brink need of a miracle, the only thing that you're going to be able to do is trouble the master. We have got to get to a place where we fully understand that there is power in the name of Jesus. When we say that name, I'm afraid so many times that we've allowed that name to become so common to us that we don't realize the power that's in the name of Jesus. When we say the name of Jesus, every devil in hell trembles. When we mention the name of Jesus, every sickness and every disease has to flee. Jarius had an understanding because he had heard of Jesus. He had heard of, of, the, of the rumors and, and he had heard of the power and the miracles. And he finally got to a place where he can meet Jesus. And when he got to the place where he can meet him, you know, everybody wants to see a miracle, but nobody wants to be one. Jarius' first opportunity to meet the Lord. Unfortunately, Pastor, his first opportunity to meet the Lord came through a need of a miracle for his baby. Maybe you're here tonight and you're, you, or you don't know the Lord and the power of His Spirit yet. Can I tell you, it's His will for you to leave here born again fully of repentance, 
baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus some here tonight have repented and been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of their sins but it is the will of God for you tonight to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and can I tell you the Lord wants you to trouble him the Lord wants you to call upon him and the Lord wants you to receive his spirit tonight he doesn't want you to leave here without him came and he even in his own authority and even in his own power he realized that there was someone there that was greater than him see when you get to a place where your miracle is determined by how how much you earnestly want that miracle then you will get to a place that you will do whatever it takes to receive that miracle. The New King James Version says it like this. When he came to Jesus, he didn't shake his hand. He didn't cordially throw a little hand wave at him or clap his hands or say, Thank you, Lord. The Bible says when he got into the presence of Jesus, he fell at his feet and began to worship him. And he begged him, Come on, somebody, tonight you need to trouble the master tonight I know there's people here that need a miracle and I'm here to declare if you'll just trouble him can you imagine this man on his knees he fell on his feet he fell on the feet of Jesus he stopped him he said you're not You don't know me, Jesus, and I don't know you. But you're not taking another step. Because I'm going to fall right on your feet where you can't go any further. And nobody else is going to get what I need from you but me right now. And I'm going to worship you until I get it. I'm going to beg you. There's something about desperation. It brings your deliverance. Because when you become desperate, you realize within yourself, Brother Brian, I can't do it. I've tried it my way. I've tried everything that I possibly can do. I've used my name. I've used my authority. I've used the power that's within me. But now there's something that's happening in my life that I have no control over. There are people here tonight. There there are people here tonight that you are going through the biggest situation that you've ever gone through and you don't have the power, you don't have the authority, you don't have the money, you don't have the clout to fix it. And it's only Jesus that can do it. And you're asking yourself, what do I need to do to get this miracle? What do I need to do for Jesus to do this? I dare to tell you to do what the Word of God, what's just happened by Jarius, to fall at the feet of Jesus. Jesus tonight and begin to beg him and worship him and tell him if you could just come to my house and if you could just come I know that I will be able to live or we can just be like the others it's dead don't trouble the master anymore don't trouble him sit down calm down don't trouble him. He said, I, 
even give the Lord time to talk. The Lord didn't ask him, hey, what do you need? What's going on? He fell at his feet. He begged him. And he said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. You know what the Lord's response was? Let's go. Come on, let's go. And as they're going, something about worship, Brother Lewis. Something about worship and faith and desperation gets Jesus' feet moving in your direction. But it didn't happen when he walked by the man. No, Jarius, something inside of him said, I got to trouble this man. I got to trouble Jesus. I got to stop him from where he's going and what he's doing. And I got to get his attention. Because there's a miracle that I need. I need God. I need him to do something for me that, that nobody else. I can't even do it. And I am a man of authority and power. But I can't do this. And I need to worship him. And I know that if I worship him, if I trouble him a little bit, he'll come to the house. He'll come to the house. told this story here before it was midnight I got a call my dad my mother had been run over my brother had run over my mother she's completely paralyzed from the neck down tire marks across her stomach paralyzed from the neck down midnight I didn't have anything to do I couldn't pray I couldn't talk you ever had one of those reports where you didn't know what to say you didn't know what to do but you needed Jesus to do something you needed a miracle at your house and you were desperate and you didn't know what to do I can remember falling on my face I made it out the door but on my big deck there on the porch I just remember falling on my knees and simply saying Jesus 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 see when you need God like never before you can care less what people think what someone may say because you need a miracle don't trouble him hold your dignity tell that to Jarius tell that to your daughter that is 12 years old and about to die I'm going to go ask the Lord if he'll heal you. Lord, my daughter's 12. She's about to die. Will you heal her, please? Thank you. In Jesus' name. I don't believe it looked like that. I don't believe it. I believe he troubled him. And for an hour on that drive to Cape, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. But for a solid hour, I troubled him. Lord, heal my mama, right? Your mom, what would you do? Heal my mama. I know that it don't look good. I know she's paralyzed from the neck down. I know she's on a helicopter. But Jesus, I know you can heal my mama. I know that you can make her whole. I know that you, I know God that you're in control. And I know that you can do it. I know that I can't do it. I know the doctors can't do it. But I know that you can heal my mama, Jesus. I know you can. And for a solid hour, I know you can do it. And when I got into that hospital and I went into that ER and they said she was paralyzed. And I walked beside her and said, Mama, I'm here. She's 
squeeze my hand. And I said, Mama, Jesus is going to heal your body. And can I tell you, within 30 minutes, my mama was out of the ER and out of the ICU. And when she left that hospital, she had a tire track on her stomach, but nothing else. And today, she's a walking miracle. Why? Because somebody was willing to trouble the master. Oh, we can just give up. We can just give up. Jesus is headed to the house. And as he's going, another troublemaker shows up. A woman with issue of blood. Another troublemaker. She's pressing her way. I'm figuring she was Jewish. I don't know that. But he called her daughter. She got there. She pushed through the crowd. She spent everything she had. She needed a miracle. She needed God. There are people here tonight, you need a miracle. Trouble the master. What would happen if you said, you know what, I'm not leaving until I get my miracle. Here's what happened. She pressed her way through the crowd. Issue of blood, 12 years, spent all. (laughs) Pressed her way. And she said within herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. If you notice in both of these, Jesus didn't come to them. Do you know that? Jesus is not chasing after people. When the prodigal was on his way home, Jesus looked, the father looked off, and he seen him coming, but he didn't run toward him. Do you know that? That's why the scripture says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. You got to come. That rest he was talking about wasn't so you could sleep good at night, but he was talking about this is the rest that causes the weary to rest. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost that God fills you with, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But your God's not just going to pour it on you. You got to come first. You got to come first. You got to repent first. You got to get in that water and be baptized in his name, and then he'll fill you with his gift. She said, if I can just touch the hill. She realized my miracle cost me something. It cost me something. My miracle happened because she was willing to touch the hill of his garment. Back then in the Bible days, we were kind of cutting up. We didn't, you had no clue I was talking about this tonight. But there's the priest, and they would wear these prayer shawl things. And at the end of it, had tassels. And I think they're pronounced zitzits. I have no clue. We were calling them all kinds of stuff in the office earlier. They had no clue I was even talking about this tonight. And whatever they wore, the colors and where the tassels were, the hymns of it, that would allow you to know what authority they had. And this woman understood if I could just touch the hem of his garment. 
I'm going to be healed. Because she knew the authority that he had. She knew who he was. Sister Lewis, it wasn't her first time probably ever hearing of Jesus. But it was probably her first time to actually. She may have been in many services. But there was something about that day. There was a crowd of people that were thronging him. I don't know how she did it. I don't know if she crawled. I don't think the word of God tells us how she did it. I know a lot of preachers get on their knees and crawl around and run. And she pressed through. I don't know what that means. I don't know if she was beating people up or what was going on. But she was going to get her miracle. And she touched him. She troubled him. He stopped instantly. Who touched me? What do you mean who touched me? 200 people here. No, no. I'm not talking about the throngs. I'm not talking about those that are here to just clock in tonight. I'm not talking about those that are feeling a a religious obligation of coming to church on a Sunday night and singing a few songs and, you know, waving our hands and, and, you know, going through the motions of tradition. Jesus said, I know, I know that there's a lot of people here, but somebody actually just, somebody just really did touch me, got a hold of me. What do you mean? People are all over. He said, no, I felt virtue. I felt a miracle release. Why is it that we always wait on him to touch us? When everybody that I know came running to him. The man in the tombs with Legion, as soon as he showed up, he ran. You know where he found him? Not at his hands, at his feet. Jarius, guess where he was? At his feet. Jesus looks at this lady and says, His face made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. I don't hear of any other person in that whole scripture that got the miracle. She's gone. Troublemaker's gone with the miracle. And he's headed to the house. He's headed that way and it comes right back to our our scripture text. As they're headed to the house, here comes the report. There are people here tonight, you've been given some reports. I'm in the vein of the Holy Ghost, Bishop. You've been given the x-rays. You've been given the scans. You've been handed over the bank statement. The counselor has told you the diagnosis. And here they come. Hey, the master has been busy taking care of the woman with the issue of blood. And because of that, Don't trouble him no more. Your miracle's dead. 
your miracles daily. Trouble not the master anymore. Don't mess with him. It's all over. But I like what the word of the Lord says to us. I want you to listen to this. While he was still speaking. As the Lord just told this lady, daughter, your faith had made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was saying that, Pastor, the Bible says while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher, the master, any further with a question mark? As soon As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And that's where we get hit. The report, the diagnosis, the bank statement, the counselor. What's being said? There's a one decision to make with two choices. Believe or allow the spirit of fear to creep up. Jesus stopped it and said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Because fear and faith can't mix. Fear doesn't bring a miracle, it kills it. Faith brings your miracle. He simply told him, you got a decision to make. He allowed him, Bishop, to either trouble him or call it off. I want you to think about that. I'm going to decide tonight if I get my miracle. The Lord is saying, don't be afraid, only believe. But instantly, as soon as Jesus heard the word, he said, don't be afraid, only believe. Look what the Lord did. The man, Jarius, did not stop the Lord from coming to his house. The Lord, he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And he saw a funeral, basically, a wake going on. And people were weeping and they were wailing loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why are you making all this commotion? Why are you weeping? The child is not dead. The miracle is not dead. But only sleeping. Your miracle is not over. It's just been in hibernation. Because God's waiting on you to respond and act by faith and trouble him about it. So he can go ahead and come to your house and give it to you. I'm going to say that again. Your miracle's not dead. It's just sleeping laying there. The master is ready to hand it over to you and give it to you. But he's waiting for you to trouble him about it. He's waiting for you to throw yourself at his feet. He's waiting for you to cry out to him. He said, 
What are y'all doing? The child's not dead. But sleeping. This part really sticks out to me. And they ridiculed him. I've done that. I didn't laugh. Where are you at, God? Where are you at? Where are you? He's laying. We was in the hospital in Minnesota. Over at that big hospital, what's it called? Mayo Clinic. And we left there. We went back to the hotel. We was there for five days. And the last day we were supposed to leave, my wife was paralyzed from her waist down almost. Because they punctured her spinal fluid. And I mean, she, I mean, immense pain. Yelling, screaming in pain. We were leaving town and tears just flowing. I'm a child of God. I pay my tithes. I go to church. I'm a worshiper. Sometimes I pray. I read your word. And you healed brother so and so. And you done this. But what about my miracle? Y'all ain't never been there. You ain't needed one. You never needed one. They ridiculed him. They laughed at him. You know what the Lord did? Get out. Get out. You know who he allowed in? Who else? But the people of God? And who else? Who else wants a miracle for their baby? Mom and dad are there. You need to start surrounding yourself with people that believe. That believe in you and believe in God. You need to get all the naysayers out of your life. If they're talking about the pastor and the bishop and the preacher and the Sunday school department and they got something negative all the time, they are miracle killers and you need to get them out of your room, out of your life, out of your phone. People that are always scared and fearful watching them movies that invoke fear it's miracle killers it's a spirit that kills the miraculous move of God because the spirit of fear is more than just a mindset of you being scared or worried about about what's going to happen to you but the spirit of fear is causing torment it's demonic in nature and it's causing torment to people and we allow it by what we allow in our eyes and into our spirit and then the spirit of fear grabs a hold of us and every miracle that God wants to give to us when he comes he finds that there's something already at the house no vacancy so there's no miracle so the scorners the unbelievers the liars those that sow discord amongst the brethren the naysayers he got them out 
He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him. And he entered where the child was laying. Somebody come play something for me. Please. Help me. Help me out. And they entered where the child was laying. Then he took the little child by the hand. And he said to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. It doesn't shock me in Acts 3, Pastor, that when a couple of the brethren went to the gate called Beautiful and they were going into prayer meeting, they had just received the Holy Ghost. When the man was there that was lame. He was begging alms, he was looking at them, and he was waiting to receive something from them. It doesn't surprise me, because Jesus taught them that if you're ever going to get a miracle, it's got to be activated by faith. And when he looked at that man, he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give it unto thee, rise up and walk. But you know what he did? He went and he took that man by the hand. The man of God, the apostle, took that man by the hand, the Bible says, and he raised him up. Because faith without works is dead. You can believe all day that God's going to give you your miracle. But are you willing to trouble the master for it? Are you willing to activate your faith by doing something that's completely crazy, that makes no sense? He just said, took her by the hand. He said, little girl, rise. Scripture says that immediately she rose up. Immediately. Immediately. God likes to do things suddenly. But it's not really suddenly. His response is suddenly. But it's what gets you to the suddenly. There's action. There's faith. There's worship, there's pressing, there's crying out and laying at the feet of Jesus and saying, I'm not budging, I need this, and if you'll do this, if you will come, he said, she's going to live. Jesus, if you'll just be who you are, my daughter shall live. But I'm willing to worship. I'm willing to press. I'm willing to touch the hem of his garment until I feel the virtue I'm willing to trouble the master but tonight there's two voices and there's two choices either you can just you know sounds good brother Bert sounds amazing I'm not going to trouble him my miracle's dead. And that's exactly how you leave. I've been there. Or you can purpose within yourself. And say, you know what? I'm going to lay right here at the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to beg and I'm going to worship. And I'm going to hang out here until he comes to my house. Or I'm going to be like that woman with the issue of blood. I'm just going to press. I'm going to press. That's the problem. We don't tarry no more in the altar. We don't tarry in the altar till we're changed. 
we've made the altar an altar of prayer. And it's not an altar of prayer. It's an altar of sacrifice and death. That's what the altar's for. To sacrifice on. To die out to. You know what? I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to press. Both instances, the master was willing to do the miracle. But he just didn't hand it out. Somebody had to be willing to trouble him for it. How bad you need your miracle. How bad you want to see your family saved. How bad you want to see your children that are backslid. Some of your family members that are addicts. Some of your families that are multi-millionaires. Maybe just great people but they don't have the Holy Ghost. How bad you want your miracle. Bad enough to trouble him for it. Are you going to listen to that voice? It's dead. It's dead. Bernie's a burn over field. It's a waste of time. It's dead. Don't trouble the master. Or maybe there's something in our spirit that says, Oh no. No, I, I'm, he, he's been too good to me. I, he's healed me before. He's delivered me before. He's filled me, my, my children, with the Holy Ghost. He's, I, I've seen him heal me of, of, of cancer. I've seen him open blinded eyes. I believe that if I just can get a hold of him, he'll do it again. I believe he'll do it one more time. But the question is, will you trouble him? What I've learned and seen in a few short years of ministry Bishop, is that everybody does want the master to be troubled. They want somebody else to do it for them. Pray for me, Bishop. Pray for me, Pastor. I'm not saying this privately. When it's time to worship, I'm going to worship. I may sit. I'm going to trouble him while I can trouble him. I'm going to worship while I can still worship. Tonight, why don't you make up your mind? Won't you stand? I know the Lord will not beg and plead you and I know I'm not going to either because I'm going to go and I'm going to worship and I'm going to go talk to him and I'm going to lay at his feet and I'm going to worship but if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost you need to just step out and come up here and say you know what I'm going to go ahead and receive the promise the gift that God wants to give to me tonight I don't there's no need in waiting he wants to give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He wants to do that for you and your family tonight. But won't you come troubling? Won't you come talk to Him? If you need a miracle in your body, you ought to come and just say, you know what, I'm just going to come down here and worship. I'm just going to come to the feet of Jesus. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to press through my flesh, my pride, the crowd. Everything that's got me bound, 
I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy any longer. I'm going to trouble the master for a little while tonight. And I'm telling you, come on, faith is arising in this house. Come on. Y alabo sotorrobo sataha.